0: Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, NorthLiberty.cc and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message.
1: Hey, uh, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 13, and just kind of hold that, we're gonna be flying through some chapters this morning. But there happens to be in this uh, cartoon showing a teenager with this multi uh, piercings and baggy clothes and multicolored hair and a few fake tats. And he was talking to one of his buddies, and he said, you know, I I hate dressing like this, but it keeps my parents from dragging me everywhere they go. And so King David is identified and remembered for two main things. His moment with Bathsheba, and the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. And if we've learned anything so far from David, it's this, that he, he he, he was far from perfect, and yet God was able to use him in great ways. Now, there is another pretty painful experience in David's life, uh, something that most parents will understand on some level. But David had many children, and he loved them all equally. And as a couple of David's sons got older, they got nastier, rotten to the core, and extremely rebellious. And their uh, their rebelliousness was no small temper tantrum. When they went to the food market, this was no three-day suspension from Hebrew school. This was just some bad stuff. And I'm only going to focus on his third son by his third wife, and his name was Absalom. Something uh, horrible happened, but how he responded and continued to plot made it all worse, igniting a rebellion uh, that led to battles and bloodshed and death. And even though David did some stupid things, he was still a man after God's own heart. Uh, these two sons have similar stories that he did, David, but he, they have stories of sex and murder and lies and bitterness and vengeance and heartache, but they were not men after God's own heart. And th- this is no my three sons or Brady Bunch or father knows best kind of a family story here. This is bad stuff. It's, it's part of David's life that he neglected. You see, he, he wasn't a very engaging parent who spent any time with his children Uh, Kings back in David's day often married for political reasons more so than love. And as uh, the custom, by this particular time in David's life, he already had several wives and several children. And if you remember, uh, he was even blessed uh, uh, with uh, King Saul's wives after he died. That was a custom in the the day. But before we get into Absalom's story, we have to begin with something uh, horrendous his oldest son Amnon did. Now Amnon had a very unhealthy lust attraction for his half-sister Tamar, the full sister of Absalom. And he planned this evil scheme, pretending that he was sick, and he asked his dad, King David, in 13.6, Hey dad, can you send Tamar to me and have her bring me supper because I'm too sick to do anything by myself. And, And so Tamar did what her unexpected dad asked of her, and she prepared this meal for her brother Amnon. She shows up, and he sends all of his servants home. And make sure the doors are locked. And uh, so he started to do this unspeakable act on his half sister. And she begged him not to commit such a horrible act, but he was stronger and forced himself on her. A sad story in the history of our our faith here. But in 1315, it shows this unfulfilling nature of sin. This is what usually happens. And it says, then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out of here. So Tamar runs and finds her brother Absalom, and he figures out what happened, but he doesn't do anything about it other than provide her safe uh, housing. So he, she moved in with him. And in 1321, it says, when King David heard all this, he was furious. And it doesn't say anything about David ever confronting or disciplining Amnon. Uh, uh, as a result, Ab- Absalom is bitter with vengeance. And if you read the story, we see that Absalom has been bitter and vengeful since he was a kid. Absalom waits two years for his dad to act but nothing happens which made things worse for Absalom so he took matters into his own hands and he plotted to kill to murder his own brother and now David King David's brother Jonadab he knew all of this In, in 1332 it says brother this has been Absalom's express intention ever since the day Amnon raped his own sister how do you not know this And two years after the rape, Absalom invites his brother Amnon to a party. And Amnon's, you know, his guard is down. It's been two years thinking everything's forgotten, everything's forgiven. But at that party, they get Amnon drunk and they murder him. So Absalom is now uh, on the run, feeling the weight of, of his uh, of killing his own brother, the king's son. He's just like, you know, an afterthought here. Oh my gosh, what did I do kind of a thing? And, and so he's on a run for three years. He takes off uh, for three years, and it says in 1338, after Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Ammon's death. So David was able to mourn Amnon's murder, but he still uh, wasn't able to uh, overcome what what Absalom did. He's still mourning all this. And after three years had passed, David allowed Absalom to come back to Jerusalem, but he refused to meet with him for another two years. And in 1425, it gives us a picture of Absalom, and this is important to the story. In all Israel there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot there was no blemish in him. And listen to this. Whenever his hair got too long and heavy he would have it cut off and and after it was cut he would weigh it and its weight was 200 shekels by royal standards. That would be five pounds. That's a lot of hair, okay? I, I don't remember what that's like but that's a lot of hair. But Absalom, he's a stud muffin, all right? and I, I, I must have taken, gotten some of his genes other than the hair issue, but he didn't have a, a, a pimple from head to toe, but he had some weird habits. He, 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 he weighed his hair. Now, I don't know if back then that was some kind of turn on for women. I have no idea uh, what the deal was. Uh, maybe they had a, a personal ad, a section in the, the uh, um, Jerusalem Gazette, You know, single Jewish female looking for a single Jewish male with heavy hair. Um, But for some reason, Absalom was really proud of how heavy and flowing his hair was. But I want you to remember that because it's going to come back to hold him down. And and after not seeing the king for two years, Absalom sent for Joab. And this would be the commander of King David. And it says in 1429, I want to see the king and absalom asked twice but joab ignored his request and absalom again shows his true character and so he burns down all of joab's fields and his crop destroying everything this man's worked for and so he basically is throwing a temper tantrum here and joab asks in 1431 why in the world did you do that and absalom says i asked you to come and visit with me so that i because i want to i want to see my dad i want a, a a moment with my dad and you refuse me and Joab arranges for the meeting in 1433, and then it says the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed, kissed Absalom. So it looks like there's a happy reunion here, but there's a problem, right? Absalom's, again, uh, uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's got an ulterior motive here. He's only wanting to get himself back into the good graces of everyone, and so he begins to scheme. Every morning for four years, he stands outside the city gates, uh, and, and he, as the people would come in with their grievances that they were going to take to the king, uh, he, he, Absalom sweet-talked him for political votes. Now, that doesn't happen in our political atmosphere today, does it? But the king's son is taking time to talk with the people, telling them that they have a legitimate complaint. He's blowing smoke at them. He's asking people to go before the king and demand that he, Absalom, become the judge of Israel, over all of Israel, and by doing so, he would take care of all of their issues. You you have this handsome, powerful son of the king taking an interest in your complaints. And it says in 15.6, he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now Absalom used his charm and position and scheme for four years to make his move. His newfound influence allowed him to gather a personal army uh, which uh, most, of, most of these guys didn't, had no idea that Absalom was planning on killing his dad and, and then uh, the king of Israel, God's anointing and stealing a throne without God's anointing. And in chapter 15, David and his faithful Uh, Had no choice but to pack the family up and leave Jerusalem, and I'm assuming that he walked out, you know, the the gate through the Golden Gate, which which is on the eastern wall, and crossed the Kidron Valley right across where the the Mount of Olives was, because it said he went up on the hillside, passed through the Mount of Olives, and went to another city. Uh, But not long before this, uh, the the king King Saul wanted him dead, and now. It's his own flesh and blood who wants him dead. And as David is walking through uh, the Kidron Valley and over Mount of Olives, that's the, the, that says the countryside wept as David left the palace. And, and after David leaves, Absalom, with arrogance and complete defiance towards his dad, moves into the king's palace. Now, David had left ten of his concubines behind to take care of the palace in his absence, signifying the fact that he knew he was coming back. You just didn't know how all this was going to play out. But in 2 Samuel 16, 20, Absalom says to an advisor named Ahithophel, hey, give us your advice. Tell us what, tell us what we need to do. And Ahithophel says in, in 21, I know what you need to do. You need to have relations. You need to have sex with the 10 concubines. That you're dead left behind to take care of the palace. And then all of Israel will hear that you have have made yourself a stench in your father's nostrils, and the hands of everyone with you will be strengthened. They'll they'll have the strength and the courage to fight with you. And so all of Israel and the surrounding nations are going to think Absalom, man, this guy's got a lot of nerve to do this to to King David, his dad. And Absalom's men, they pitch a tent up on the palace roof, and and he, he, he had relations with his dad's ten concubines in full sight of all Israel. Now think about what's on display here, what's happening. Absalom is truly a hateful, rebellious son. It was the ultimate slap in his dad's face. The only other time that you and I hear about David's rooftop, uh, his palace rooftop, was when David stood there, gawking at Bathsheba, wanting her for himself. This kid is rotten to the core. Absalom, and uh, 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 <laughs> I'm just going to call him Buddy. Uh, they come. Uh, they come up with this this thing to remind you know King David. Hey, by the way, Dad, don't think that I've forgotten what you did when I was a kid. Just don't forget it. And you talk about hitting below the belt here. Absalom considers uh, how to to completely dethrone David and take things over. And what Amnon did to his sister was horrible and deserving of death, in my opinion. Yet this would would he's doing now is just as evil as what his brother did now now David wasn't stupid he had a lot more experience and wisdom uh, to to outsmart his disrespectful and rebellious son he had one of his own advisors go to Absalom and pretend he was a traitor and giving some bad news as the Lord frustrated uh, Absalom's plan by making him think that the bad advice was really good advice and so rather than taking Buddy's good advice Uh, 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 taking 12,000 soldiers and quickly fleeing out after David as they're going over Mount of Olives and just slaughtering them in the night uh, allowed David to get ready for battle and that would be chapter 17 and 18. Now remember David was an experienced warrior who had already killed giants and at this time in his life he had killed hundreds of thousands of the enemies of God. This man knew how to fight. And plus, David had already been warned that Absalom was on his way, and so they were ready to meet them head on. And in 2 Samuel 18, verse five, it, it, it will show us what a moving and loving dad David is in spite of what his son has done. His son is trying to kill him. And David says to all of his commanders, be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. Don't harm him. And all, and all, the, all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. And I I ask you to keep Absalom's hair in mind uh, to see how this love affair with his hair plays out here because the battle between father and son begins in chapter 18. And before David's men catch up with Absalom, they had already killed uh, 20,000 plus warriors that stood next to Absalom, killed them all. And in 18.9, Absalom is running away from battle on his mule, you know, trying to find a safe place, and and, and he rides underneath this this hanging, uh, the the low-hanging oak tree. All these branches are pretty low. And as he rides the mule that he's kind of bouncing on, his hair's bouncing up and down, and it gets caught in these low-hanging branches, and his hair is so thick and so heavy that the branches hold him there as the mule continues on. And so he's just kicking and screaming. Uh, and so here he is this arrogant, good-looking, charming, vain young man hanging by his beautiful hair. And then one of the other soldiers says to Joab in 1810, Hey, I just saw Absalom hanging from an oak tree. And you got to go see this. And, and so I'm sure all these guys are laughing about it. And Joab is like, Hey, did you kill him? You know, if you did, I, I, you get a big reward for this. And the soldier says, Are you kidding I remember what King David said, don't harm his son. And Joab says in 1814, I'll take care of this. And remember what Absalom did to his fields. So here's payback on his part. Joab takes three javelins and does a little acupuncture work through through his heart. But it doesn't kill him. I I don't get that. It doesn't kill him. Um, So 10 other soldiers surround him, and they're the ones that kill him. And this is a horrible, heartbreaking, yet gripping story of David, the anointed king of God, who gets to keep his throne. The application for us. Now this man, after God's own heart, did a lot of things wrong and he did a lot of things lo- uh, right. He loved his rebellious son to the very end, but his heart was broken. But, 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 but we have to be honest here. David, as good as he was as a king, as a warrior, as a provider, a lover of God, he was not a good dad. All right, he, we, we can learn what not to do when, when our kids uh, are rebellious by paying attention to the mistakes David made here. James the brother of Jesus even says, hey if you lack any kind of wisdom, go to God and he will give to you generously and he will give it to you without finding fault in your own life. Just ask God for wisdom here. And so this is what God has asked every one of us to do. Go to him and ask for wisdom if you have a situation. And you wanna have a heart of love for people even if they break that very heart? Well, here are a few things that can help us become better people in all of our relationships, especially in the context of parent and child. You see, to allow pride to get in the way of you asking God for patience and wisdom to get and stay involved with your kids is not a good way of avoiding the problem. Like David, most parents are so naive that they think their kids can do no wrong. He thought nothing of sending Tamar to take care of Amnon when he was supposedly sick. Everyone else knew Amnon had an unhealthy sexual lust for his sister, but for some reason, David did not pick up on this. And after the incident, David thought nothing of sending Amnon to Absalom's party, and for some reason, David didn't sense that Absalom had been, had been plotting for an opportunity to kill his brother. David had sensed Absalom's resentment of him all of these years and for again for some reason he was out in left field when it came to his own kids he wasn't paying attention and so parents pay attention humanism is alive and well and if you don't know what that is just look it up for yourself it's alive and well and this secular worldview believes that we're evolving into a better life form and that's what our kids are being taught these days but open your eyes and your ears and you're going to figure out real quickly how things are just getting worse and just like the word of god says When I was a kid, young boys were just as capable of developing very unhealthy uh, sexual appetites, but the opportunities were far less. We might have found magazines hidden away in dad's closet or out in a garage somewhere, or if a kid really wanted to see something, they would go to the nearest library and check out National Geographic. Those of you guys my age, you know what I'm talking about, Uh, but that's, that's not the case today. If your kids have iPhones, they have access to porn, like buying candy in a store, or they can find it in their libraries today. It's everywhere, and if you think they are not or unable to get to that stuff during the day, you're being naive. It's out there. The Bible says that even the potential is folly. It shows a lack of good sense. It's foolishness. Solomon, the, the future son of David, says this in Proverbs 22, folly or lack of good sense is bound up in the heart of a child, and the thoughts of men's hearts are evil continually. Men will find an opportunity to do bad things. And what we learn from David and Absalom and even Amnon is that we need to pay attention, be observant, and be patient with our kids when they try to share what they are going through or that's the fact that they might need your help. We need to be outside playing ball uh, with them, sitting in their makeshift Barbie doll houses and eating make-believe cookies. You need to find ways to actually get to know your kids. Take the time to do this. A lot of parents have said that when their kids hit that, those teen years, it's like they're kind of pushing them away. And I guess in some ways you've got to expect that and understand it because a lot of us did the same thing. We loved their parents, but we didn't want them around. And, 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 but, but, but sometimes that push away may be a desire for you to come after them. To show them that you really do love them and that you do want to be around them. And so we've got to stay involved and figure out how it is that we can become the best kind of parent to each one of our kids' needs. And each one of your kids are going to have different needs. And you need to understand that. And you need to play with that. Figure it out. But don't underestimate the importance of knowing the needs of your kids. When you are spending time with your kids, you become more sensitive to what those needs are. They might be telling you something without telling you something, uh, and you need to pay attention because it could be a cry for help. Pay attention. Ask for God's wisdom to have those serious conversations on any given situation at any given time. When when we looked at how Nathan approached David, if you remember, uh, when he schemed to, to get Bathsheba, it was productive in a lot of ways, but David forgot how valuable that particular talk was when it came time for him to have a discussion with his own kids. He had many opportunities, but he was so focused on the things he thought were important as a king rather than his kids' needs as a dad. Job, career is more important. It's basically what I'm saying here. If my parents uh, saw potential problems or we did something wrong, and my sister can attest to this, even my nephews and nieces here, um, they sat us down immediately. You know, back in the day when kids got home from school and parents, before parents got home, there was one unwritten rule. No friends until your chores are done and there's no leaving the property. And if we broke those rules, we were in trouble. All right, those were the, three, the things that we had to do. Once in a while, I messed up, okay? And I think because of those mess-ups were far and few in between, I pretty much got to do what I wanted to do. And my sister didn't get to do much of anything because they were sassy. I, you know, I, I played the game. But that's a better way of saying that I was a spoiled kid. And that's even a better way of saying that I was my parent's favorite child, okay? I was, I make no bones about it, right, Tina? <laughs> and what happened on occasion is this, okay? Being in grade school uh, while my parents were still at work, my friends would come over. They'd even help me with our chores, so I got all that stuff done. And, uh, but oh, we got bored. And so what we would do, uh, we, and, and most of my friends were like me. If we, if we were labeled back in the 60s, I would have been labeled with ADD or ADHD, I mean, I, I had no attention span, I couldn't focus, I couldn't do anything, I was hyperactive, and you know, I, it was just crazy, I, I remember those days. Um, but, but during those, uh, that particular time, the stores were already selling fireworks for 4th of July. And so we walked down to Hook's Drug Store on 4th Street when we were supposed to leave the property, and we kind of bought out the store, and bought a bunch of smoke bombs and, and bottle rockets, and we were having a blast on our way home, no pun intended. Uh, But by the time we got back to the house, we were bored. We were bored throwing things into the air, not doing anything. We had no more anthills to blow up, no more firemen. no Not firemen, real firemen, but uh, (laughs) my army guys, let's go there. (laughs) Uh, And so we decided to do something a little more crazy. We walked across the street where there was a bar. It's called Pirate's Cove today. And we'd go to the back kitchen door, and we would light our smoke bombs and throw them into the kitchen. And we run around the building and go set up on the, the hillside and watch all the people come running out of the bar. It was a blast. We had a good time. They couldn't figure out what was going on. They'd go back in, drink their beer. We'd go back around, do it again. We did it three times on this particular day, which was stupid, okay? Do it one time, and you're going to get away with it. But nothing was said. Later that day when my dad got home from work, he had all of us boys go into the garage closed the door had us all sit down and he was tinkering at his workbench there and he said boys is there anything you want to tell me I mean we had done a lot of things that day okay we had no idea how would they know they they're working they, my parents aren't, aren't smart they don't know those things and so he asked again and we all said no so so you didn't leave the property N- nobody said anything did any of you do anything that could get you into trouble? Are your parents into trouble? And we all said no. And it was at this time my dad was coming back to the Lord and studying for youth ministry and, and eldership. And, and so he starts, you know, kind of telling a Bible story. And uh, he said, you know, mom and dad are off working and trusting their kids to follow through with all the, their instructions and do their chores and their friends doing the same thing, you know, before, you know, we get home. And, 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 and these particular group of kids... They didn't follow through with anything. What do you think ought to be done to them? Now, there was silence, and I'm thinking to myself, crap. He knows, but I didn't know how much he knew. So I wasn't gonna divulge the information that I didn't know what he didn't know. I, and I said, you know, I, I, I mean, he asked us what should be done to these, these kids, and I said, you know, I, I say that the older kids need to be punished for setting a bad example for us younger kids. Now, he wasn't amused by that. He didn't say anything. And, 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 but I know because of how, how much he loved me, he thought that was a brilliant answer because, again, I was his favorite son. Um, but he marched us across the street. He didn't say a word. He marched us across the street. We walked inside this bar. First time we were legally in a bar. And he made us apologize. Those people saw what we were doing. And they knew my dad because he used to be a bouncer there. They called him up at work. And we lied to my dad, all of us. And so my dad and the bar bar guy, I I don't even remember his name, but he made us clean up around the parking lot, around the building, and we had to do that every week that entire summer without getting paid. And and we learned a lesson. But the interesting thing is that it didn't keep any of my friends from showing up to our house anymore because we had rules. You know why? Because a, a couple of those kids, they felt safe at our home. They understood that there was a mom and dad in that home that loved their kids. They were there. We had relationship with one another. And they also recognized uh, the love of a mom and dad who had enough love for their kids to say no and discipline when they broke the rules. They didn't have that in their homes. A lot of them didn't. And so again, they learned some things and that's why they were able to come over. For many kids, that's what they're desiring. Direction, love, expectations and, and behavior, consistency, relationship. And so make sure you don't lose integrity or, had a, or, 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 or a heart of, of love towards rebellious kids by glaring inconsistencies in your own life. Don't live by a double standard because your kids will always choose the easier of the two. We did all the time. And I know if we did, at my age, you, your kids are doing the same thing. Don't think they aren't. Don't tell your college kid to go find a church while away when you can't find the time to get into worship yourself. Don't tell your kids to stop drinking or don't drink and when they see all those empty cases of beer cans every weekend in, out in, in your trash can. Don't expect your kids to be sexually pure, a pure when you're out buying them a, a birth control. Don't expect it. Maybe if David would have confronted Ammon on the rape of his sister sister, as soon as it happened and dealt severely with it, then the story of Absalom may not have ended the way it did. And so have courage and love and a heart to say, this home, in this home, we will not tolerate that kind of behavior or an attitude. We have drawn red lines here, and you will not cross them. And when they do, you deal with it. Don't cower if you start doing that they're never going to believe your threats follow through and as we've been talking about you kill the giant as soon as possible i don't know if you understand this but in, in ancient china there are, uh, the people there desire to secure uh, their their area from the barbaric um, nomadic tribes in the north and so they built the great wall of china And it was so high that nobody's ever going to climb it, so thick, nobody's ever going to get through. And these Chinese people let their guards down and enjoyed their seemingly impregnable uh, security here. And during the first hundred years uh, of the wall's existence, China was invaded three times. The invaders never climbed over the wall, never went through the wall. All they did was bribe the gatekeepers and walked right through the gates. The Chinese people were so busy relying upon walls of stone, they forgot to teach their children integrity. You can't teach what you don't do. It, but most teaching is, is, isn't verbally taught, it's, it's learned by watching. And so David was so busy being a king that he failed to be a dad. And so mom and dad, there is a strong temptation for you to spend your entire life becoming successful in the world's eyes. B- but if you get to the top and your loved ones are not standing next to you, what have you accomplished? So have those hard conversations and set clear boundaries and, 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 and if they cross them and ask God for the wisdom to deal with it properly. David neglected to discipline his older kids when they rebelled. No matter what age, your kids should know what boundaries uh, have been set and those boundaries should have been set early on and learned early on and that they come from the word of God. Your parents aren't making stuff up just to beat on you, they're trying to follow the word of God. Parents, when it comes to younger children, you have clearly defined options according to the word of God as well. Paul even said in 2 Corinthians 10, we demolish, our, demolish arguments and every pretense that itself, itself, uh, sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Parents, demolish the strongholds in the life of your kids. Whatever's keeping them down, deal with it. Proverbs 13 says, he who spares the rod, in other words, doesn't want to discipline their kids, hates his son. But he who loves him is careful, is careful to discipline So there's a proper way of disciplining. Hebrews chapter 12 says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as a son. For what son is not disciplined by a father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and are not true sons. Kids, if you don't want your parents disciplining you, you're telling them, don't tell me you love me. And parents, if you're not disciplining, you're telling your kids, I don't love you. I know that sounds really weird, but that's a biblical stance. And I will stand by God's word, not how we feel in this world. All studies done with kids on the subject of discipline and direction show they want and they need boundaries. Discipline and structure communicate love and compassion regardless of the age. And parents who ignore any discipline in the hopes of being their child's best friend, we hear that all the time nowadays, you have missed the foundation which has to happen. You are to be a parent first, not their friend. Be the parent and set the tone early. Proverbs 29 says, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. And always remember to ask God's wisdom when it comes to praying about your kids before, during, and after. Parents, you better be praying for your kids even before they're born. You start now. Pray for them. Uh, parents you, you need again be praying for them when they're young and old without ceasing and during the good times and the bad times without ceasing that's what paul says in thessalonians to pray without ceasing and speaking of prayer march 31st we're starting our prayer thing on friday uh, mornings again if you guys want to show up who's not working 10 o'clock in the morning tom fair is going to be leading that I'm, it's going to be good for the church uh so if you have the time show up at 10 o'clock uh every friday but even though david didn't go to the greatest job being a, uh didn't do the greatest job at, at being a parent One thing is clear, David did love his kids. He was a man after God's own heart, and having a heart like that, David had a heart willing to love his rebellious and rotten kids. But David needed God's wisdom, he needed God's strength, compassion, to love that way. And sometimes all we have left, parents, is is just go to God in prayer. John chapter 13, this would be part of our second core value, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love your kids according to the word of God, you're gonna do what God asks you to do. Set the boundaries. They are not the parent, you are. Set the standard. David loved, but he still had to deal with the heartaches, okay? It's going to happen. Your homes are, are the foundation for putting God's word into action, and there comes a time when the past needs to be forgiven and reconciled, and then you move forward. You kill and bury the giant, as we've been saying through this whole series. Kill it. Bury it, move forward. David asked his men not to harm Absalom. And after each report came back, is, is my son okay? And the ants finally came back and said, no, you know, he's dead. And in chapter 18, verse 33, it says the king was shaken by that news. He went to the upper room of the gateway and he wept saying, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son. If only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. That is the deepest kind of grief a parent could ever experience. Children church guilt, shame, heartache, regrets, what ifs won't change anything. Some of you need to call your kids and you tell them that you love them and that you are sorry for whatever has happened in the past. You take responsibility for your thing. Some of you kids need to do the same thing by calling mom and dad and and forgiving them and are taking ownership of your own crap and move forward together. Brothers and sisters in Christ need to do the same thing because if we want the world to know that we are children of the living God, that we are his true disciples, we better be willing to do the same thing. Learn from the past. Don't live in it. And too many of us live in the past. David's failure as a parent does not absolve Amnon or or, uh, Absalom's responsibility here. They were big boys. They knew better, and they paid the horrible consequences of their evil. James Dobson once said, Children and young adults are capable of making choices that contradict everything that they have been taught. And we as parents shouldn't be too quick to give ourselves the credit or the blame for everything they do. They need to own it. You need to own it. Reconciliation needs to take place before God will be honored in anything. All of us have rebelled at some point in our lives and and broken the heart of our loved ones, including God. There's a time to discipline, a time to repent, a time to forgive, and a time to reconcile. That's what a good, mature parent does, and that's what godly people do when you are chasing after the heart of God and not your own. Don't tell me that you're a person chasing after the heart of God if you can't do what God has asked you to do when it comes to your relationships. God sits on his throne, not you and I. The only perfect son was sacrificed so that he could restore the right relationship with rebellious kids like you and I. That's what our God did for us. That's what his son did for him. What are you willing to do? Do you want to be a person after God's own heart? Then start pursuing God by developing a heart willing to love those undeserving of that very love.
0: If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.